0: Welcome to Chapters, the podcast where we hear the stories of readers' lives through the books that have meant the most to them. I'm Mary Mahoney, and today I'm talking with Mark Barone. Mark is an avid reader. A Rhode Island native, Mark is an accountant by day and board game player slash designer by night. Some may say he bears more than a passing resemblance to the fictional Ben Wyatt. Also of note, he is married to a former guest of this show, Allison Harrocks, our guest on episode 16. From the Lord of the Rings to Infinite Jest, books have played an important role in Mark's life and hold a special place on his shelf where they sit in pristine condition, a requirement Mark will explain. From stealing a book from a public library to using pasta boxes to protect his books in his backpack at school, Mark shares a lot of great stories about the role of books and reading in his life. This is his story. So, Mark, I want to start by asking what I ask everyone, which is, where are you from and what's your earliest memory of reading?
1: Um, Okay, so I'm from Rhode Island. Coventry, Rhode Island is where I grew up and I now live in Warwick. Um, My earliest memory of reading, see, now this is probably of any prep that I did that I found this to be the hardest because anyone who knows me will tell you I have a terrible memory, absolutely horrible. And as far as I do have like memories from like when I was little and learning to read, but they're very sparse. Like I know that I was read to by my mom, but I couldn't tell you a single thing that she read to me. I assume just because we own the books like Bernstein bears, uh, little critters, stuff like that. Um, but as far as like me doing the reading, it's uh very little, but but I have a few. So, um Harold and the Purple Crayon, I remember being one of my favorite books growing up.
0: What is that book about?
1: Um so it's it's about a little boy who has a purple crayon and kind of whatever he draws comes to life, though I imagine it's just his imagination. So he'll like draw a blimp or something and or what is it? hot air balloon and he'll get in it and then he'll float around, and he'll draw himself a little friend. I don't really even remember the book too well. I just remember what he draws kind of comes to life, and it was all illustrated, and it was a great book.
0: What what else do you remember from that time?
1: Ah, geez. I remember Where's Waldo books. lot of, lot of reading. (laughs) It knows.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Rich narratives there with Waldo.
1: Yeah. Uh... And another thing I remember actually is uh, having coffee table books. I remember I had like this really big space coffee table book, one on dinosaurs. And again, I don't really uh, uh, my favorite was one on fish. Hmm. And, uh, you know, they're just the typical. They have giant pictures of like whales and stuff. And I probably didn't even read them. I probably just looked at the pictures. That's that's that's, that's a theme of my childhood <laughs> memories of looking at pictures. Hmm.
0: Um,
1: I really wasn't. As a little kid, i I liked reading, but I wasn't like this huge reader.
0: And why do you think that is? Like, do you think it just wasn't for you, or like, are your parents readers? Like, were they pushing? My mom's
1: my mom is a big reader, Um, and I for any reading that I did do, I have to give credit to her because she was very supportive of me reading. She'd always she'd always tell me, "Oh man, you're such a fast reader," and it's really funny that she like because I actually just remembered that it's really funny thinking that now because. Um, I am the slowest reader you'll ever meet, even now, <laughs> um, which is a shame because I love to read and I wish i I read faster. but
0: uh, do you think that's, that's a problem to read slowly is a problem or it's just
1: only because I'd like to consume more than I'm currently able to
0: hmm. Hmm. so
1: it's not I mean it's not a problem. Uh, hmm.
0: Right, uh, right, Sometimes
1: my wife makes fun of me because I read slow, and she's a really fast reader. But, but beyond wow,
0: that, that sounds very mean on her part. <laughs> yeah, that sounds yeah. pretty cruel. Uh, someone should probably speak to her about that. <laughs> so I'll will try to work on that for you, Mark. Um, advocate for you. Uh, I do
1: have I do have a small anecdote from when I was learning to read, and it's it's haunted me since that day. And it's not even that bad, but. I remember reading in class. It may have been second grade or first grade. I don't know when you learn to read. But I remember reading in class, and you have to read it out loud. And I was always pretty decent at it. But for whatever reason, this story had somebody named Jose in it. And I read it as Jose. And I remember the teacher correcting me, Jose. And I said, oh. But I'd never heard that name before. Hmm. So that when I went back and restarted the sentence, I said Jose again because i didn't understand what she was saying at me um and you know some kids left and the the, you know teacher had to correct me again so
0: it's so far all
1: my memory has been pretty pretty bad but
0: uh, (laughs) pretty bleak it gets better it gets oh god hashtag it's good but it gets better um do you think that having something like that happen like it stays in your memory isn't it weird that sometimes we like really fixate on embarrassing memories like that not necessarily like a time when a teacher praised you or you
1: yeah know. yeah that is it's kind of it's kind of awful because I don't yeah you're right you know I don't know if I have very many memories of a teacher praising me I'm sure it happened you
0: know, yeah uh,
1: but uh I you know I'm sure nobody remembers this incident except <laughs> Just for me you.
0: well now our <laughs> listeners and I'm sure that's
1: true yeah
0: Yeah, Yeah. so they have it now.
1: now. (laughs) But I've since learned the spelling of Jose and the pronunciation. So, I mean, I learned. Yeah. So, you know, I
0: guess it, it did some good. It did you some good. So, if you weren't really someone, you know, I think a lot of people growing up kind of have similar memories to you in that they first remember reading, not necessarily as reading words, but even just visually, like taking in picture books and. You know, it really being something that fed their imagination, um, whether or not Where's Waldo does that. But I'm thinking about, <laughs> like, you know, other books like Where the Wild Things Are and things like that that have really rich illustrations and even yeah, Purple grand book. So it sounds like that's kind of what your life as an early reader was yeah, like. Yeah, and
1: that other, uh, what was that book with the fish and that has the shiny scale? was really big a fish as a little kid. Hmm. Ah man, I don't even know the name I know I owned it and I know I looked at it all the time. Hmm. Yeah. It's a it's a I know it's a popular book. Uh jeez. Yeah, I'm not gonna know. But anyway, so it has it had all these scales, but I think just one of them was really like shiny, like
0: Oh, on the page. I know what you're talking about. Oh gosh, Mark, you're gonna I'm gonna lose it. Alright, I'm gonna try to think about what this book is. Okay. And I'm sure Allison's listening outside the door, so if she comes <laughs> up with it, she can contribute to this interview. Yeah. Um Okay. So if your early life was really about kind of imagining and and things that fed your imagination, when did your what was the next phase in your reading?
1: So probably like so I I probably didn't have a love of reading until like much later in elementary school. So I I mean I would read occasionally, but. Again, I just have no memory of it, so I, I don't really feel like my love of reading didn't happen until later. And and I have to credit who's my now best friend, John Scapini, for maybe you know helping me get into books hmm. on a on a stronger level. So he came into my school in around fifth grade, and I don't know when I learned that he liked to read, but. One of our first interactions was me learning that he liked to read. And I gave him this, it was like this really thick book on, uh, it was like one of those mass market paperbacks about submarines or something. So, you know, fighting in submarines, I have no idea. Probably a really bad book. It's like very much something you'd find like at the airport and you'd, you'd pick up. Got it. But uh, so I gave him that and we kind of been friends ever since, but like, I wasn't, I wasn't reading books like that. I just happened to have this for some reason, so but he, what but he is, was,
0: what inspired you then to, if you're not reading books really at this period, why, what inspires you to give this person a book? Was this some kind of like, I want to be your friend and this might be a way to,
1: yeah, I just knew he liked big books okay. and submarines are cool and that's really all it takes, I guess. I'm not sure. I actually, I should ask him if he even remembers this, but, uh, and I know later there was like a, like a dirty word in that book and he came over and showed me and we laughed about it. So that's, that's one of the first things that sparked <laughs> my interest remember? in reading is, uh, so yeah, I think it said the word dick in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So that was pretty exciting. Very, very a fifth exciting.
0: Grader. Yeah. Very dangerous <laughs> as a fifth grader. Yeah. To read those words, I remember when um, we used to have library period in school, and people would try to look up dirty words in the dictionary mm-hmm. in the library. Yeah. It felt dangerous. <laughs> yeah, um, ton of fun.
1: Yeah. So you um, give so,
0: him this book, you become friends, and then yep. what happens next?
1: I think maybe in an effort to be more like him and be as cool as John, I uh, I started reading books similar to that. So again, just like the. Um, the airport mass market New York Times bestseller books. So it's sort of when I got into Michael Crichton, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Clancy, Clive Cussler, mm-hmm. uh, and so honestly, like one of my probably the first book that ever I remember like just staying up late and reading because I couldn't put it down would probably be Jurassic Park.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: Continues to be one of my favorite books to this day.
0: So can you remember what it was like the first time that you read that book? Uh, y- yeah.
1: Yes. So I remember being, for some reason, uh, let's see. I was on, on the floor maybe at my grandma's house because uh, like, we used to sleep over there occasionally. Mm-hmm. And I had either one of those little reading lamp things or I was using like the mm-hmm. nightlight to read I always use, like, just the dimmest light, and it's probably why I have terrible eyesight now. <laughs> um, but it was just the first time where I just, oh, man, i got I got to find out what's happening to all these people. This is crazy. Dinosaurs, this is amazing. <laughs> I'm sure I've, see, I've seen the movie at that point. Yeah, I was uh,
0: going to tw- ask if you've seen the movie before after. It came out
1: in 93, but I didn't see it until it came out on VHS, and I was terrified. Oh, yeah. But I ended up loving it.
0: And yeah. reading it in dim light seems like it adds a certain effect to the experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, probably.
0: I remember um, being very afraid when I read that book. Like I thought I was so chill, and then I read it, and I really freaked myself <laughs> out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't really remember being scared. Uh, you know, it was, it's kind of a it's definitely a page turner and a thriller, but I don't remember being scared. But who knows? Um, it was a while ago.
0: Hmm. And do you remember like after you read that book, was it something that you wanted to talk about with other people or is reading even from that period something that's kind of like a personal thing for you?
1: Hmm. Good question. Uh, so I, I definitely did talk with, you know, my friend John about the books and I would talk to my mom who again encouraged the reading and she always liked to see me reading. And I think the, the books I was reading at that time were a little bit above my level and I probably didn't understand a lot of it. I um, mean, you, know, you know, I can understand dinosaurs chasing humans, but there's a few more <laughs> elements of the book that I sure. probably didn't get. Um, and especially Tom Clancy is there's a lot of politics involved in Tom Clancy, which I <laughs> way I mean. So for a Tom Clancy book, there's probably four or five chapters with it, some really cool action. You know, it's got like you got the Rainbow Six team with, their, you know, with their MP5s and grenades and all that. And that's what I loved. Hmm. And I would kind of slog through the rest, not even comprehending a lot of it.
0: Hmm. And were you at that time watching any of the movie adaptations and thinking, like, I guess I'm just curious if you're reading because you love the action sequences. What is it? What's the difference between reading a really great action sequence and watching one on screen?
1: Uh, I would, I would maybe argue there is no difference, at least for me, because I, I don't know. I'm still still kind of chasing that high and and I still like action sequences today in books and I don't know if that's that's why I'm reading it but it's uh it definitely helps. I look for books that are going to be high in action still
0: okay hmm interesting so you're reading Tom Clancy what are some other what are some favorites from this period that you can remember just
1: um so for for Tom Clancy, I really liked uh, i think I think every Every friend I have owns the big hardcover copy of Rainbow Six. Like, that's the Tom Clancy book. Hmm. And I I I never reread it. I think I've probably started rereading it at some point. But so I, I don't even know what it's about anymore. I just know that the, the, the first few chapters are about a, a cool gunfight on an airplane. <laughs> uh, and I think that's about all I remember.
0: The rest you've just blacked out. It just doesn't yeah. matter. Fair enough. But
1: I remember loving it. Um Do you ever a, go some back Some of All Fears is good. I read that later.
0: Oh okay. Um, have you ever gone back and reread Jurassic Park or any of the books from this period? Or are you just kind of like a one and done kind of
1: reader? No, I'm definitely a rereader. I've read Jurassic Park maybe three or four times.
0: Hmm. And is it different any time that you reread it, or is it all kind of the same high from like action sequences? <laughs> it's
1: it's different. You kinda you, you catch things that you missed the first time, and especially you know when the first time it's fifth grade. You you understand a lot more of it, and um, you kind of because you don't know you don't. I still don't understand what chaos theory is as an adult, but you know you can't even pretend to understand as a fifth grader. Hmm. Um, so like anything, Ian Malcolm is talking about. He's a mathematician in the book. Uh, really went over my head, but now he's you know probably the most interesting character maybe even part you know of the of the story for me Hmm. so it's it's i still enjoy the action but i'm not i guess it's less about the action now
0: Hmm. that's interesting um what else were you reading in this period or that you remember like really being influential for you
1: so i remember let's see uh so definitely in elementary school I think, uh, so I'm I'm 28 now. So I don't know how old was I in uh, 5th, 6th grade. So Mm. is there any, there's no way to, 11, 10? I don't know. You're the
0: one, Mark. I'm putting the math on you.
1: (laughs) That's when Harry Potter came out. And so I was of the, what I like to think, the perfect age to be reading Harry Potter because truly, truly my generation grew up with Harry Potter.
0: So Mm -hmm. like as
1: the books were coming out, we were getting older and so were the characters. So it was kind of amazing. So I read the first three along with everybody else on the planet. And then I really, I really liked them kind of stopped reading after the third one because I didn't like it as much. Hmm. And I think it, think it's kind of, it was kind of foretelling of my future reading as to why I didn't like it.
0: So why I, did you not like it?
1: So, he, uh, they have this uh, – Hermione has this time travel device in it. Mm-hmm. And I remember even then thinking that whole plot line was absolutely ridiculous. And I know I know it's magic and that they're wizards and the whole idea behind Harry Potter is ridiculous. They're good books, but, you know, whatever. So, But for some reason, I couldn't get past the time travel aspect. I, I never understood why Hermione didn't just – go back in time, and take a nap. She was so tired all the time <laughs> because she kept going to all these classes. And
0: You should you know, have worked never... some naps.
1: Yeah, it'd be so easy. Go back in time, take a nap. Go back in time, go to class. Go back in time, take another nap. Go back in time, do your homework. This it, it doesn't make any sense. And then another thing, which I didn't know at the time, but they never bring that device back for the remainder of the plot. Mm. You know, people die. Go back in time and save them.
0: Oh wow! But wouldn't that affect sort of how things were supposed to unfold if the universe of Harry Potter believes in a kind of fate or destiny that some people have to die in order for things to work a, out? I don't
1: remember how that. What I'm happens.
0: just throwing that out there. I don't know that that's real or not, but I'm just throwing that out there as a possible theory. I
1: think in the in the world of Harry Potter, the time traveling world of Harry Potter, I do not believe that that there is fate well they actually there's a ton of time paradoxes so you can't even you can't even go there okay Mm. you know they're they're like seeing themselves they're affecting themselves during the timeline the whole thing doesn't make any sense
0: (laughs) and now as it like 11 or 12 year old like you talked about books earlier something that helped you connect with your friend john when he first moved to your school harry Mm. potter was like the common language if you were going to use a book to connect to another person <laughs> yeah. when you're 11 or 12 it would be Harry Potter so here you are and mm. for the first three books you're like there you can talk about it you're in it and then after yep. book three you know it might be divisive for you to air your Harry Potter views I'm imagining
1: yeah I I, I I don't know if like maybe I was just like being a little bit too cool for it you know I was like oh I don't like Harry Potter and and I did I mean you know, I liked it I read them all you know they read them all pretty quickly too because they're you know they're they're good but Mm. you know it was i don't i don't remember the timeline of when these came out but it was shortly after i read the third one that i started getting into lord of the rings and that's what sparked my interest in fantasy which is very strong today (laughs) so i think i kind of moved away from harry potter and more into lord of the rings and then there's there's just no going back and there's no comparison in my opinion
0: strong views. Yeah. So, what was it like to read Lord of the Rings for the first time?
1: Uh I <laughs> I'm I'm, in a, I'm afraid to say life-changing, but but pretty much. It kind of has definitely shaped me as, and my interests. Hmm. How has it shaped you? Uh, so like, you know, I've never been much of a reader who's, you know, I'm not reading to to think or really to learn. It's always been about just cool shit you know Mm -hmm. and lord of the rings is i've always found to be the coolest shit Mm. Uh, so i guess it shaped me because so because of that i you know i like video games that are similar i like uh board games that use the the dungeon diving i never got into Dungeons and dragons but i i know that it's a thing i would probably like because i like lord of the rings
0: that shocks me that you've never done, you've never played that game.
1: I I have played. I've I've played a few scenarios, but I'm, <laughs> I don't think I have a good enough <laughs> imagination for it. So I, I get really, uh, get kind of nervous. I'm not I'm not good at it. Hmm. So I like of... the idea of like, dungeon diving, but I, the whole role playing aspect I have a hard time with.
0: Hmm. So just to back up, you said you love Lord of the Rings because it has cool shit. And you're not really reading because you're into like introspective reading or at least like consciously introspective reading. Sure. Maybe like you're not reading to say like, geez, I'm trying to figure out what it means to be Mark Marone at age 15. Correct. Who am I? What is this? You just want to be entertained by cool shit. So what does that mean? Like what is cool shit for Mark Marone?
1: Ooh. um, So the thing that's great about Tolkien is he, he created a whole entire world that most people, including myself, don't even – have not even scratched the surface on. So I've never read – I'm not sure if you're familiar with – he wrote The Silmarillion, which is more of that. like a, a collection of stories almost written into like a history book type thing for the land of Middle-earth. And It goes through all three ages or whatever, it talks about the history of the elves and – how things kind of came to be. and But he wrote all of that kind of while writing Lord of the Rings, and he had this whole backstory um, just to, I don't know, just to really fill this really deep world. And I guess that, to me, is, is cool shit.
0: That he had this really intricate world that he completely invented out of nowhere. Exactly. And that's impressive to you because you said before that you don't think you have an imagination play <laughs> yeah role playing uh, games. yeah so
1: that's that's a great point because i i'm like I'm a, I'm a music lover i'm a book lover and and these are things that i really think i appreciate because they're they're just something i can't do at all like I, I could never write that or i could never think of something that interesting you know what i mean
0: yeah to create original source material
1: yeah so like there's there's musicians who they're you know really good at playing guitar or whatever so when they listen to Jimi hendrix they're like oh yeah so you know he's playing this in seven or you know (laughs) i don't know what they do but you know they can really appreciate it because they know Mm -hmm. i feel like i can really appreciate it because i know how much i don't know Mm -hmm. and it's just you know i can never even imagine
0: but also like don't you think you know i've seen your bookshelves don't you think the act of curation is a creative act? So the fact that you have curated this collection of books, so it's kind of an offshoot of you appreciating something you can't do, but you have cultivated a collection of things that have some kind of through line that impresses you, and that's kind of a creative act to be able to do that.
1: Oh, well, I guess I appreciate that thought. I never <laughs> never looked at it like that. Yeah,
0: I'll just throw that out there. Why not? Yeah. Um, so are you someone with Tolkien... Some people get really fascinated by his personal story. So are you someone that when you get really into a book, you really want to know all about the author and his or her life, or do you not care so much?
1: Uh, I really don't care, and that kind of goes the same for, for anything, um, like actors and stuff. So, like, Tom Cruise, total psychopath, but he's a good actor. You know, <laughs> wow, <so> Mark. <laughs> okay. It's just, it, it's, it's never... 'Cause again I'm like I'm in it for the, the story they're writing, not the and that's not to say I don't I don't find it interesting to learn about the author.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh but I guess it doesn't much matter. Uh what's a it's a good example though? what's his name? He wrote uh oh, the sci fi book about uh Ender's game. I'm familiar with Ender's game at all?
0: Mm-hmm. So the author of
1: that has definitely said some, some pretty crazy things about uh, what is he? I think he's against like gay marriage, or ah, I'm forgetting. Or definitely some, some controversial card. views. Yeah, and it's like, it's such a shame, and I almost just wish I never knew that kind of thing. Hmm. So it's almost like I don't, you know, don't meet your heroes kind of scenario. Hmm.
0: Mm mm-hmm. Hmm.
1: Because I love Ender's Game.
0: Yeah, but now it's hard to think about that, knowing what you know. Exactly. Hmm. Um, what was I going to ask you? Uh. So when you're reading Lord of the Rings for the first time, Yes. do you really like read it? You said before you're a slow reader. So mm. were you put off at all by the length or, you know, does that? Uh,
1: do this just, is going to sound like a brag, but I swear it's not. I read a lot of really long books. And they take me just months to read them sometimes. But for some reason with reading, I find I don't I don't really feel pressure to have to finish something. If I'm watching like uh you know, Breaking Bad or something, I, I feel some kind of pressure like, oh I gotta watch this next episode, I gotta I gotta finish this now, I gotta talk about it with people. It's kinda nice for some reason with reading I don't I don't feel that pressure and I don't know why. Hmm um, yeah Lord of the Rings took me a long time. I I probably finished it finished the first one shortly before the first movie came out. And I don't think I finished the third one until the second movie came out. So that's like a year.
0: Yeah, and that's just you continuously reading Lord of the Rings.
1: Yeah, I don't remember if I had any books in between. I probably did.
0: Hmm. But uh And when you were reading the books and then did you wait and watch the films after you were done with the whole thing or were you watching it when they were coming out?
1: I watched them as they came out. But the only one that I didn't finish, well, I, I'd finished them all before, but I, I'd watched the first movie before I started the second book.
0: What did you think of Which is films? a huge
1: spoiler in the, <laughs> in the first movie for the second book, which is a shame.
0: <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, well, what's it like watching the films while you're still reading the books? What did you make of it?
1: Um, I think it definitely actually helped me. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of side characters in Lord of the Rings and when you're learning the side characters as well as the main characters, it's, it's kind of tough. But when you have the the movie background, you can kind of be like, okay, I know these people now. I know every main character in the movie is pretty firmly cemented. So I can kind of focus on all these side characters and side stories going on because I, I don't have to like. Save room in my brain for learning all this other stuff.
0: Yeah, there's a that's something I think that puts people off Tolkien is that there's such complicated genealogies that you have to get involved in in order to understand the world that he's made.
1: And, yeah,
0: I mean that's but that's what shredded. makes the world so so yeah.
1: interesting to a lot of people, I think.
0: Right, right. Um, so, do you remember like this was something that you talked about? Was this like a solo Mark Brown journey, or were you reading this with other people?
1: Or I, I, I actually read it with a good friend at the time. Um, we're still friends now. But we don't we don't really talk as much. Um, but yeah, we both kind of started reading at the same time. We just absolutely loved it, and we would. It was basically all we would talk about for a while. We saw the movies together. I remember we we both bought each other this Lord of the Rings compendium book for Christmas. I'm pretty sure by chance we bought each other the same book. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's a real like neat, cute friendship moment, Mark. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um. So did you? Was it? Were you bouncing ideas off each other, or were you just kind of like, do you remember reading it and thinking like, wow, he doesn't understand the book the way I do, or he thinks really differently
1: about it? Uh. hmm. I don't. I don't think so. It's kind of tough to remember. Hmm. I think again, and. It's just, we would talk about the cool stuff that happens in the book or, you know,
0: yeah, isn't it
1: awesome when Legolas X, Y, Z kind of thing.
0: (laughs) So you said before that you don't really read for introspection, but before we move on to like sort of the next phase in your reading life, I'm just curious Mm. as you reflect back, you know, preparing for this episode and whatever, did anything strike you about why certain books came into your life at different times or does it all seem just kind of random? Uh,
1: It. I can definitely see like a like a pro- progression of why i've probably read the next thing uh but it uh i have a hard time making making any more uh i guess important connections i don't know if that's hmm. what we're looking for
0: no, no no yeah i was just curious um so where does your reading life go next i mean how can you possibly top lord of the rings
1: well you can't you absolutely cannot
0: <laughs> is that your favorite um, series is that are those like your favorite books
1: um, I mean, I, I love them and they, they invented the fantasy genre as we know it today. Uh, so, you know, I, I think I more like respect them as like, maybe you're, maybe they're the best, but I'm not going to pick it as my favorite. Cause that's just kind of lame to pick, pick that as your favorite. I don't I don't know. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> All right, Mark. I don't want you to be lame. <laughs> so um, what's the next move in your reading life?
1: So probably you know, as we get into high school, um, high school is when you start kind of reading the classics because that's what they make you read in school.
0: And did you fight um, them on that? Were you not into reading during school?
1: Um, no, I I was very much into reading during school. I, you know, I would always read during study period and all that. And I, everybody told me to do my homework instead, and said, "No, just just read and then do my homework at home," um, because that's one thing. So. Here's just a little uh a mark tidbit about about reading. My favorite favorite thing is that when there's literally nothing better to do I can I can read. So my favorite times to read are when I'm on an airplane. Yeah, because there's 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 absolutely no stress. I really always feel like okay, no I need to go do this thing, I need to I need to watch this TV show. I, I have all these like pressures, like not not only like not like chores or you know actual real work or yard work or anything like that but to me reading is never like the highest priority for me but I love when I get to read like I have like oh I can't do any of these other things so I finally have like a chance to just sit and read Hmm. Um, so that's that's what study in high school did for me and I was always like looking forward to that Hmm. but I wouldn't go home and read and I guess I don't know why and I still don't as often just sit and read
0: so you weren't reading before bed or anything like that.
1: Reading before bed, I do do because, again, I think there's there's nothing there's nothing I nothing else I should be doing. Hmm. I don't like a, to watch TV before bed.
0: Yeah. Well, they say that's bad for you, Mark. Although, yeah. it never stops your wife. Um, <laughs> no, I know that. Uh, well, it's interesting that you like to read on planes because it's, there's nothing else to do in that moment because I would think that most people would read on planes because they want to, some people want to be distracted from the thought of being on a plane or, you know, if they're afraid to fly.
1: Oh yeah. Um, I don't get nervous. I, I really enjoy the, it's a little bit of me time. I think it's, I think it's nice.
0: <laughs> mark time. Yeah. Some nice mark time you get in on a plane. Hmm. That's interesting. So, are you? What are when you're in high school? Then are you reading? You're reading the classics, and I guess you are enjoying that. Any?
1: Yeah. So uh, most of the ones that came to mind are the ones I read in uh, junior year, and I, and I think I have to give credit to I had an awesome, awesome English teacher, Mr. Gibb, um, and we read uh, so like George Orwell. Um, we I think we read so we had 1984. We read um, Huxley. Steinbeck, um, and I, in every single book, I don't know if if I would have liked it without the teachers like, uh, you know, kind of helping us along and reading it through with him. Mm-hmm. But every, pretty much every book I read in that class, I really enjoyed.
0: Yeah, hmm. so I mean, I've had some people on the show who say that reading books in school soured them on it because. They, it was a situation where they were forced to read the book and they didn't choose it freely, and then they somehow wandered or stumbled back on those books later and really liked them. So it's interesting that the teacher was the thing that helped you really get into the book and enjoy it.
1: Yeah, and I think that may have been the case had it been a, a weaker teacher. Um, hmm. So I wonder if that's the case with uh, the dreaded Ethan Frome. Which is the worst thing I've ever read in my life.
0: <laughs> Why did you hate Ethan Frome?
1: Ah, everyone was just a crybaby. I don't, I don't really remember it. There's something about a sled. I just thought it was stupid <laughs> at the time. I don't
0: know. <laughs> you just couldn't go there. Edith Wharton just didn't speak to you. <laughs> no. No Gilded Age stuff.
1: Yeah, but I had a bad teacher that year, so. So that
0: totally it changed it for you. Wow. Yeah. But 1984, like, so you couldn't deal with people crying about a sled, but, you know, dystopian <laughs> features, that, is- that was fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, more my speed.
0: You were drawn to dystopian books.
1: Yeah, but I read a few other George Orwells as a result of that. So I read Animal Farm, I thought was awesome, but I don't I don't think I really, I'd like to reread it now, kind of knowing a little bit more what it was about. Um, so I kind of more read of it as just like as a story about, you know about pigs and I I think it's, you know, there was some other message in there that I I may have missed at the time. I wish that mystery Gibb was teaching animal farm.
0: Yeah. Hmm. You should call him up now and just say, Hey, look, I'm (laughs) 20. Can you 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 sit with me? Sit with me. Can we chat about animal farm? I'd love to get into it with you. You know, what's up?
1: Um, another book that I, I, I I always think about now that George Orwell wrote, is called uh, coming up for air. Hmm. Um. So that's that's a it's basically about a guy who. He's basically like your average. I believe he's American or he's probably British, but. It's just like, he had kind of a naggy wife. He didn't. Wasn't doing great at his job, and he has this, great memory of a of his childhood, uh, just going going fishing in this old fishing hole, across town. I don't even remember where it was, but, so he plays hooky one day and he doesn't tell his wife and he goes to just relive that magical fishing moment. And just from the get go, it's just, yeah, I don't know why if, if Ethan from, uh, you know, I found that sad. This was way sadder. It's just one thing goes wrong after another. He, he has soap on his neck, you know, from his, uh, initial shower. So that bothers him all day. Um, his wife keeps calling him, asking him where he is. he, he finally gets, um, spoiler alert, he finally gets to this fishing hole and it's just all, it's no more water in it. It's just filled with garbage.
0: Oh. And I,
1: it's just like the most depressing tale and he never, he never gets to relive that dream. And it's kind of just about how like nostalgia fades and
0: yeah. I don't like... know, I just
1: found it really depressing <laughs> but but good and interesting. And I, and I think about it a lot now. So it, I think the thing I think about now is we probably do look back with rose-colored glasses at, at, you know, our childhoods. So is it worth trying to re- relive it?
0: Mm, what's your and verdict?
1: I, I, I believe that, no, it is not worth trying to relive it. Mm,
0: interesting. Also that you read a book that says nostalgia is a fantasy, and yet you remember that book now as a positive experience. Like you're not looking.
1: Wow, wow. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I guess so. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is like there. This is nice. Okay. Well, hey, I'll take it. Um, wait till you see the bill, Mark. Um, <laughs> well, that's interesting, and also that you know you don't think childhood is something you can recapture. But I know that playing games is like your favorite, one of your favorite pastimes. Absolutely. Which I'm not saying so, is a childish thing to do,
1: but it's. Well, oh yes, that was going to be childhood. my argument. Because I wouldn't argue that that's a childish thing to do. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's something that people think of as connected to childhood, but it's not of childhood. It's for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And is that starting around the same time?
1: The same time.
0: Like high school, or is that when you started playing a lot of those games?
1: Oh, that was I was I was gaming probably a lot sooner. Um types of games might have changed, but uh no, nah, since I was like four I've been playing <laughs> the old oh, NES. I, yeah.
0: I don't know what that is, Mark.
1: Oh, well <laughs> like the the first Nintendo. big Nintendo system. Oh all right.
0: All right, fair enough. See, we weren't allowed to have, you know, T V game video games, so that whole world has passed me by. But I need to that. I'm sorry. I've had a Game Boy. I'm not cool, but I did have a Game Boy. Oh, that's good. I'll take it. Game Boy's good. So you're reading the classics, you read some pretty mm-hmm. depressing stuff voluntarily yes. as a teenager. Are yeah. you is. are books in this part playing any role in your self-presentation like Mark Barone high school student like are you wanting people to know what books you're reading so that they imagine you in a certain way because you know teenagers are sort of when people kind of start paying attention or caring about what people think yeah I
1: mean I think so I don't think I was really like bragging that I was reading (laughs) George Orwell um I definitely I I probably liked people to know that I was a reader, like I wanted people to think I was smart kind of thing. Uh, you were like not walking, overly so, but I, not walking
0: think, around with copies of George Orwell like, you know, hey <laughs> <no>. girl.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Hmm. But I did often have a like a personal reading book on top of my my book stack and and I and I think I I purposely kept it on top. This is a little embarrassed. Purposely kept it on top so people would see that, like, oh, he's he's just reading.
0: He's a reader. Mark that. Mark he's Barone. He's a yeah. reader. So smart. And did anyone sort of take the bait and ask you, like, oh, Mark, what are you reading?
1: Occasionally, like, I think, like, teachers would. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. big teacher's pet, which is definitely nice. <laughs> nice for your image. Brave
0: to admit that, Mark. Yeah. Very brave. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's interesting. Hmm. So what else were you reading in that period that sort of made an impact on you? Was it mainly just books you were reading for school or?
1: Oh no. Um so I remember a book that I I ended up don't tell anyone, I ended up stealing it from the library. Mars <laughs> Uh it was Stephen King's Dark Tower. Okay. Um it's the first it was the first in the series called The Gunslinger. And I was actually just drawn to it by the cover. And and the reason that I took the book, well, there's two reasons. One reason that I didn't I didn't have my school ID or I lost my library card or whatever, so I I couldn't couldn't go through the the proper channels to check out the book, so I just took it. <laughs> the second reason was because in the back of many of our high school books, we had this little slip of paper where you could like review the book, mm-hmm. so you'd like review it and then put it back, and other people can open and look at the reviews, and they can see if they wanted it or not so the reviews in the back of this book there was one said "Um, this book was absolutely amazing it changed my life exclamation point exclamation point oh wow then the very next review right underneath that just said it was okay (laughs) Um, and I just thought that was hilarious so that's why I had to go and and determine for myself and I was of the uh, the you know I had the opinion of the former where I thought the book was amazing.
0: So, how did you sneak it before I even ask you what you thought of this book? How did mm. you sneak the book out of the library? You just put it in your bag and walked right out?
1: Uh Yeah, I don't think we had like a like an electronic thing or if it, <laughs> but it doesn't work if <laughs> if that's <laughs> the case. I think I just put it in my backpack and left.
0: Wow. And do you still have the book?
1: Uh I think I do. I actually let somebody borrow it and I think they eventually oh, it was actually kind of interesting somebody let I let somebody borrow it they let somebody else borrow it and then I wanted to read it and I never I never owned it I wanted to reread it and someone was like oh I think I have that and they let me borrow it and it ended up being my original copy <laughs> so like, it wow. went around my circle of friends yeah, I was like oh uh, this is my book Wow. Keep that back, thanks.
0: So now, do you still have it?
1: I do. Yeah.
0: Wow. Have you added your review into the back of the book?
1: <laughs> I should, and I should bring it back to the. You Co- should just bring it Lever. back
0: with Ev- and just return it totally casually, and just say, yeah. "Hey, you know, I love this book. Thank you so much." Yeah. I also stole a book once, but I just told them I was stealing it. Like, I don't understand how you actually should commit crimes. Like, if you're going to steal <laughs> something, you shouldn't tell people you're doing it. So I no, just said, yeah. like, I'm taking this. And I think they were so astounded. They were just like, okay.
1: I guess. They
0: were like, enjoy. <laughs> it was in a hospital. They were like, oh, wow, okay, thanks. They thanked me.
1: <laughs> yeah. so, oh, Clearly, you're very good at crime. I think Well, I should be taking tips
0: from you. Maybe, Mark. But, you know, I'll, I'll teach you what I can. But I think you... I think you should return the book, Mark. I'm just putting that out there.
1: I probably should. Or though.
0: I think you should just write your keep right you write your review into it and then keep circulating it. It's sort of like the Mark Barone library, only consisting of one book.
1: That would be a nice thing to do. But it's it's actually a good lead into why I will never do it.
0: Why? Alright, Mark. So tell me about this book.
1: <laughs> so um so I got a like a decent decent collection of books and a lot of my friends read fantasy like I do so people are often asking me to borrow books and I always say you are more than welcome to borrow any book on that shelf but if it comes back with one nick, scratch, bent binding, bent page you need to buy me a whole new book which usually turns them off completely
0: What, Mark this is (laughs) very extreme where does this come from what is this about
1: it actually it actually this is probably rooted in uh the Lord of the Rings books cuz I had like a really like pretty nice set um just, I loved the covers um and I took such good care of them um and I I really just hate a, I want it to look unread. I don't know why. I just need it to look unread.
0: Because you're imagining someone else looking at your bookshelves or I just want it to stay nice.
1: Oh. Like I like, I like it as a physical object. I like to look at it, mm-hmm. and I don't want it to be all bent out of shape. Hmm, that's interesting.
0: I mean, I've heard other people say they want their books to look red, so that when people come to their home and see them, their bookshelves, they think, wow, look at how many, how folded the bindings are. Like, this person yeah. has read, you know, this they must have read this book countless times. Whereas for you, yeah. it's almost like an art piece. Like, yeah. you want something exactly. beautiful. Exactly.
1: This person must have never read a book in his life. Look how. <laughs> no, but that's or, the ideal. That's the best compliment.
0: Yeah, the best compliment is this person just has these books on his shelf for show.
1: Exactly. He's um, never. Yeah, read a so I used to go through. Oh man, so whenever I would bring a book to class, book bag can do a ton of damage to a book. Um, so I would uh, I had like a, like a you know the boxes that like pasta comes in. Mm-hmm. I used that as like a shield for my book, so I would put it in, Mark, the, in the pasta box,
0: this an empty is, pasta box.
1: I am so
0: awed by this. Yeah. Wow. And did you keep the pasta box in the bag so you weren't like whipping out a pasta box and then removing the book? So you didn't. Uh, remove-
1: actually, I do have a memory of like pulling out the pasta box. I, you know, I was probably emptying my bag looking for something, and and a a girl at the locker near me like saw that and gave me a dirty look, and I was like. You don't understand. You don't look how understand neat me. this book is. <laughs> uh, like she didn't say anything, but I got a weird look.
0: Wow. Mark, that's incredibly brave, among other things. Yeah. Wow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I that's actually very creative, Mark. I never would have thought to put a book in a pasta
1: box to Yeah, no, it keep makes it a from great deal. Being... If you want to keep them pristine. What a tip. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I once, I once spilled water on a book, which was horrible, horrible. So I, I gave it to my friend and just bought a new one. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: So there's no, like, room for... Do you have any horror stories of books that you have lent to people and you've had to buy a new copy because whatever they did was so egregious?
1: Uh, see, it rarely comes to that point because they know how anal I am. Uh, yeah, so it's just books that I've lent out and then they never return. Is all I can really think of. Hmm. So
0: they're not taking. You don't give out instructions with each book that says, you know, pasta boxes must be used.
1: <laughs> no, they can do whatever they want, but if it's ruined in any way, they just got to buy me a new one. So they hear that and they never borrow the books. That's why. That's why it doesn't happen because so nobody borrows. It's from a me.
0: good proprietary tactic for you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, Mark this is I've never heard this before this is fascinating hmm. <laughs> have you ever so is this a problem for you when you, you said you like to reread books is it
1: is it's it, a, tough? It's a, it is a huge problem and it's actually now that I'm thinking um, so like I said earlier so a lot of like fantasy books they're just so friggin long and you know with that comes the giant binding you know if you get like a 900 page book There's a lot of risk there, especially when you start getting into the middle, you know. Oh, yeah. You start getting too comfortable with it. You crack that binding.
0: You're going to crack that binding, Mark.
1: Exactly. So I will say I did let somebody who I trust very much, um, I'm now married to her. Wow. Borrow a book. uh, And and it did come back with a bent binding. This was uh, the Song of Ice and Fire, the third book especially, which is, I think, probably the longest one. Um, it came back and it's still on my shelf. I never, I didn't buy a new one.
0: Wow. Um, That's love, I... Mark. That's love. <laughs> it was just before yeah. or after your marriage. I mean,
1: it was actually, it was before we got engaged, uh, but it probably did delay the engagement.
0: Okay. I assumed, I assumed yeah. that that, that took its toll on, you know what? She should have known better. <laughs> yeah. she, she did. She, known. she
1: did pretty good and she knows. I think she was stressed the whole time reading them.
0: <laughs> Did you put that in the vows, like, and you know, I take you, Allison. I also give you this. Pe- I give you this pasta box. You know, I like. <laughs> I should have take like, care of my books.
1: Of, like, the wedding band. I just hand over the pasta box.
0: Yeah, you crack this binding. I serve you with <laughs> divorce papers. Yeah. That's it. Wow. Well, Mark, that's. Quite a tale. I'm taking all of this in, but it is fascinating because I know there is a trend now sort of in design. You can see a bunch of these private companies that will literally come to your house and arrange books on your shelf to make it seem as though you're a reader with completely untouched books. Oh, wow. And so in a way, you know, they have a very, they're presenting it purely as an aesthetic that books can be a beautiful Object in your home, almost like a work of art. So you kind of well, have I, beat, beaten them to that that trend. Yes, I do
1: agree with that. Although I, I like to read also, so it's it's nice to be able to talk about the books in your shelf. Right. I'm not sure I would. I don't want I don't want to fake it.
0: No, but you're always at war with your own aesthetic. So yeah. there's that.
1: Yes, true.
0: Um, so other than reading, you know, these books in high school, where do you go next in your life as a reader?
1: Um. So probably next is just pretty deep dive into fantasy and sci-fi. More on the fantasy side than the sci-fi side, but I, I like both. What's the difference to you
0: between fantasy and sci-fi?
1: Um, one is kind of typically based on our reality today and what could happen. Right, that would be sci-fi, and fantasy is—I don't know if it's if it's the opposite somewhere somewhere else, some other reality. And what? I don't know what would never happen. I I guess I don't know how to ex- even explain it. This, I because in my head I always kind of wondered why they're even grouped together. <laughs> Honestly, I don't <laughs> I don't think of them as the same at all.
0: Hmm. Yeah, because I think I've been guilty of this too, of somewhat mixing genres so I think you know I'm curious and maybe other people who aren't necessarily deep readers in either genre are curious what someone who's into both would see as the difference so it's interesting that you think they're not even part of the same conversation in a sense yeah
1: like I think typically people who like one like the other Mm -hmm. and I think they're both fantastical right so I I see why they're at a bookstore you're gonna have your sci-fi fantasy section but I, I think you might as well just have a, a fiction section, mix them, mix them all up with the regular fiction. Right.
0: Hmm. Okay, Mark. So what are some important books to you in either genre? Take me on your journey. Where do you go? Okay.
1: <laughs> uh, definitely Song of Ice and Fire. That's probably really like, besides Lord of the Rings, which got me into fantasy. Song of Ice and Fire got me more into modern fantasy.
0: How so? Which, uh, like, so what is I, this book for those of us who don't know?
1: So Song of Ice Fire written by George R.R. Martin. You, many people may know about Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you know, HBO show now. Um it's about a it's actually based off of uh what is uh there's some war in England. War of the Roses, I think, which I don't know about at all. Do you?
0: Is, is, I do not.
1: So I think it, I think this war was you know four or five different big houses or kingdoms around England and they all kind of got into one big war. Mhm. So that's kind of the the idea behind it, but it's you follow basically a character or some characters from each each house. So it it's big war and you kind of get to see all sides of it, and you you see it, you know. Oh, this isn't as black and white as either side would have you believe, and you kind of end up rooting for the bad guys and vice versa, and everybody's a bad guy and nobody's a bad guy kind of thing. Hmm. Um, it's it's deeply grounded in more medieval history than the fantasy side. So there's a, there's a ton of fantasy. There's there's dragons. There's magic, but that's very much takes a back seat to just the uh, the character relationships and the and then just the, even just sword fighting versus you know magic wands and kind of thing. Hmm. So I don't, yeah. So Did what, I answer your question. Yeah, I totally.
0: What, what were what drew you to this book or made you like it so much?
1: I actually, well, first I avoided it for a long time because the cover is absolutely awful.
0: <laughs> What's on the cover?
1: Uh, it's just ugly. Uh, I don't know. It might be like a crown or something, or like a cup. One of them is just a cup. Hmm. It's very plain. Anyway, that's that's point. But so when I finally got into it, uh, I ended up reading it based on a friend's recommendation. Uh, it's just uh, it's just another it's just another huge world that you can get lost in. Every this you know huge family lineage on every every house every character. You end up kind of learning their whole backstory. And the first book is great because it's kind of like a a crime mystery. So like I would say one of the characters is somebody who who dies before you ever even meet the person
0: Hmm.
1: and you kind of learn that dead person's whole history through them figuring out who killed him Hmm. and it really helps you learn the world and and kind of pushes the plot forward but the story moves on and branches out in many directions from there so i I think i just like the bigness of it Hmm. and it's just extremely well written i think uh Few people do characters better than George R. R. Martin.
0: And it seems to be in line with uh, Tolkien in the sense of a lot of genealogies, like, creates a very intricate world, yep, completely of a own sure. making. For sure. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, so I know way more about, uh, I don't know, the, the Stark family history than my own.
0: <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. And you've had no desire to learn your own family history in the same way that. You might really be curious. Yeah. About the start strangely, story. none at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you make of the TV show? Was that on when you were reading the books, or was this before?
1: No, I had read. I forget what books were out up at that point, but I'd read everything before the show started, and I was super excited for the show. And I I rewatched mm-hmm. season one so many times. Um, you know, I bought it on Blu-ray or DVD. I forget. Um, and I just I absolutely loved it, and they were so. Good about being faithful to the book. Uh, they, of course, changed some things and kind of merged characters and whatnot, which I was always, I always thought I was so understanding of, you know, oh yeah, they got to do this, they got to do this. But as the show goes on, that happens more and more and more. And I think I've gotten, I think I've really learned to see them as two totally separate things. And if I didn't, I would end up hating the show, probably.
0: Hmm. Because hmm. I know some people really don't like the show because they think it's such a turn from the books and vice versa. So it's interesting that you can kind of like make the space for both in your mind.
1: Yeah. You almost, I mean, you really, cause I, I do, I mean, it, it's a good show and, and even some, some scenes that they've added that weren't in the books are, are just so good. And some scenes that were, were in the books they've, they've even made better. So like, I feel like it's kind of tough to argue that it's not a good show. They've definitely done some weird things and some things I don't like. Um, they've gotten rid of like entire storylines that I love, um, but like it's—I don't know—I th- I think it stands up on its own.
0: Hmm. So what else do you have you read since? Is this like college years, Mark Barone, that you get into yes, this, this, this stuff? Yes, this is
1: more of the college years, Mark Barone. Um, so from there, I kind of hit like the the big fantasy heavy hitters. So uh, Robert Jordan, who who writes the Wheel of Time series. Um, and that's just another absolutely insanely sized it's like 14 books every one being like 800 pages and
0: oh my gosh
1: that's yeah, a commitment mark that's it is uh, I actually haven't finished it and I'm a little embarrassed to say that as a as a fantasy fan uh, it, it kind of drags in the middle I don't know I, I think it's that's like for people who have read it they they kind of know this but yeah it just keeps the world just keeps getting bigger and bigger and a little overwhelming. Um, so I, I, I remember putting it down and be like alright I'm not going to read this the next book until I read some of this other stuff and I just haven't gotten back to it because by now I've forgotten so much that it's going to be a huge undertaking to read the seven or eight books that I already did read because I forgot everything you know I have to reread the whole thing yeah hmm. Um, but another so this is an amazing series it's called uh, Malazan Book of the Fallen and it's Ten books, each one, again, huge. Uh, and it's written by, I think he's he's got like a, he's definitely got like a degree maybe in like philosophy and maybe, uh, what is it when you study rocks? Geology. Geology. So it's so interesting that it actually really kind of like bleeds through in mm. his writing because he he writes on a scale that is, you know, you think of Lord of the Rings, and that's that's a huge, you know, thousands of years backstory. This is just like ten times that. Um, and his writing is extremely difficult to take it all in because he gives you absolutely no. He doesn't say, "Oh, these are these are elves. They have pointy ears." You know, he really just kind of writes, and you have to pick all that up hmm. as you. As you read, so so getting into it is super hard, uh, but it's extremely extremely rewarding, and it even more rewards on a on a reread because you kind of just along for the ride, and you kind of catch bits and pieces, and then when you go back and reread it, you you see the the threads being woven so early, and you're like, oh my god, this is right under my nose the whole time, and it's just a really cool and fulfilling experience.
0: Hmm. so you're patient, like you you don't mind if it's tough to get into initially, you'll stick with it,
1: yeah, I mean, so like I don't know if if i if I just randomly pick this up off the shelf, there's no way i mean i I had heard that about this book, so I was like, well, it's you know, I'm sure the payoff is there, so let me let me go try, so you know you gotta just I trusted the internet on that one,
0: <laughs> fair enough, so what else from this period or I guess? we're getting towards like present day Mark Barone, like his reading interests too.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So not much has changed. I mean, I really, so I, I, yeah, I kind of just pick up things that I, you know, I hear about them and I put them on my to be read list way in the back of my mind. And, you know, if I see it in the store or if it pops up on my Amazon, be like, all right, yeah, I got, I, you know, I'm about to finish a book and then just kind of just whatever I come upon next, whatever's taken my fancy. I don't, I don't think about it too much. Hmm.
0: So there, I want to ask a question at towards the end, but I want to make sure that I give you a chance to speak about the books that mean a lot to you. So are there any other books that you want to tell us about?
1: Hmm, that mean a lot to me. So it's probably nothing that we haven't already talked about. The like, big ones for me were for Jurassic Park for sure, Lord of the Rings for sure, and Song of Ice and Fire probably all. And then, you know, the uh, 1984 also. Oh, and then uh, Infinite Jest is one of my favorite books. And it's it's nothing like anything I've ever read before.
0: Yeah. So what led uh, you to pick up that book? Because he's the, definitely a daunting writer for a lot of readers.
1: Um, yeah. And I think that might be what kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, how hard could it be is kind of what I was saying to myself. <laughs> and it's pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that I mean, that's a long book. And that took me Oh, my God. Months and months to read. Uh, but I, I remember I never, never wanted to give up. Every single chapter is just this is it was just so interesting to me. And I found his writing to be, I don't know the the word for it, but like relatable, I guess, like everything just felt so real. And yeah. he talks about some silly stuff in it, but it's like, oh, no, this just I feel like it's I don't know what it was saying to me, but it spoke to me in a way.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. That's kind of different than how you've talked about. I think any other book that you've mentioned.
1: Yeah, you're, and you're probably right. And it, and it's, it's also different, a lot different than those other books. So it's not, you know, I'm not reading it, to read I I wasn't reading it to read a cool story. It's kind mm-hmm. of written as, uh, I don't know. It's, it's even still way above my reading level. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I mean, I've read it a few times. And, I guess. I feel like I'm learning something, but I again I don't know what I'm learning. Hmm. What
0: do you like? If somebody, I guess me, forced you to say, yeah. Like, what are you learning from this? Like, why do you keep <laughs> putting yourself through this? Like, obviously, it's doing something for you. Do you, Do you need to be able to articulate what it is, or is it enough that it's doing whatever it's doing?
1: So I, I think that there is probably a point to a book, and you know, David Foster Wallace is is uh, he's on another level as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I think a lot of people call the book pretentious and it, it probably is. And, but I, I just think that, ah, see, I don't know. So what, what is it about? It's about media. It's about depression. It's about drugs. It's about tennis. Uh, boy, what, are, what have I learned from that book? I really can't, I can't say. Mm.
0: Maybe you don't have to. I mean, I think some of the best books are books that sort of touch us in ways that we can't articulate, and maybe that's why they're so interesting to us, or we keep going back to them because we can't we can't put it in a sound bite of like, yes, this is why I love this
1: book. Right. Yeah. And it, I guess it's a little meta in that sense. So I'm not sure how familiar you are with the, with the what what you can even call plot, but so. It, one of the chief plots is that there's a a videotape. Um, and when you watch this tape, it's so enthralling that you, you basically watch it until you die. It's like so, you get so much pleasure out of it that you want to do nothing else but watch this tape and then you eventually just kind of sit and rot. Hmm. Um And I, I get sort of that same feeling when reading it. So it's like, I don't know I don't know what it is about this, but I just want I just want to keep absorbing whatever this it's triggering some pleasure receptor, and I just want to keep in, enjoying it. so mm. I think that's just it's just cool. I don't know
0: yeah, it's it's a credit to him that he could pull that off and consciously may ha- you know cause that effect in you and probably other people right as he's lampooning it, and
1: yeah, exactly. Hmm.
0: So it's a joke that you're in on, but you still fall for it.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: <laughs> hmm. That's really cool. That makes me want to check it out, Mark, if I can handle it
1: you definitely should and i don't I don't think it's as much to handle as people- 'cause like I don't know I, I guess I don't know if I'm reading it as it's supposed to be written, so I think but I also don't think you have to in order to enjoy it so i mm-hmm. I kind of just take it for what it is, and it's even if you're just reading it for some funny stories, I think that they are there. And it's great. You know, there's it's there's a ton of humor in the book. So I think it's just enjoyable just just to read it.
0: Yeah. Well that's cool. Well I'll definitely check it out. Um so Mark, I'm curious. I know you because you're married to my best friend, full disclosure yes. uh for our listeners, and I'll probably note that in the introduction, but Uh, I'm wondering when you guys met. So you talked about when you met your best friend that you guys connected through books. So I'm just wondering, Mm -hmm. does this carry over into other relationships? Can you remember? Because I know Allison enough to know that her reading interests diverge from yours.
1: Way, way different from mine. Um, So I have gotten her to read a few books and she's gotten me to read maybe one book. So she's she's a little bit better than I am. she's a lot faster of a reader. So like one book at Mark's speed, is like 42 (laughs) books at Allison's speed. So I like to think we're even fair enough. Um, So one of uh, very early in our relationship was a book called, uh, what was it? Darkman's Um, it's by, I think, uh, what is, I actually wrote it down. Nick, Nicola Barker. I I picked it up totally because I liked the cover. Um, And (laughs) In a little preparation, I like went and flipped through it and and I don't I don't even remember the book that much. But I remember liking it enough to be like, Oh hey, you know, you're cool. Do you want to read this book I just read that I liked? And she did. And she told me she liked it. I assume I assume she wouldn't lie. She's pretty brutally honest most of the time. That's uh, his
0: work. That's his <laughs> Yeah.
1: Um so I mean that was it's it's always nice to to share that with somebody, and she read uh, Song of Ice and Fire, which I'm b- obsessive with, and I, every chapter she would finish, I asked her what would happen, and I would, she's not, she's not too big on the fantasy or that that lineage or that whole thing, so I I loved 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 when she would have questions for me, and I'm like, oh no, that's uh that's this sword, she got it from there kind of thing, hmm. you know, which she doesn't get excited about, but I do, and I think she probably likes that I do, and just being able to talk about it was nice.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that it could kind of be some kind of language, shared language in your relationship. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Mark, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I'd love to know if you have any recommendations for people based on what you're reading right
1: now. Um, So I'm currently in a reread of Lord of the Rings, believe it or not. I wasn't in preparation for this. So so I would A, recommend anyone read that, Which, uh, but that's not going to be my recommendation. Uh, so... It's it's something that was recommended on one of your other podcasts. Um, it's called Red Rising, um, and the author escapes me at the moment. Uh, but it's a trilogy. It's science fiction, um, and it's I'm almost I almost hate to recommend it because I think people are going to start reading it and be like, oh, really? This is this is the kind of book. Um, it's like it's basically the first one anyway is like Battle Royale or Hunger Games esque um and but it's just it's done so well and it just it really changes gears from those two particular books which are um if anybody doesn't know it's like put a bunch of people on an island and watch them fight to the death it's it's got that kind of theme but that's not what the book about and it's just it's the most fast-paced writing as a slow reader i think i read all three in like Two and a half weeks, so it's, uh, that's that's an incredible feat. If you don't know me,
0: fair enough. Wow, Mark, what a recommendation. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah so no, I mean, like, it, when I started reading, I was like, oh yeah, no, I've seen this before. Okay, whatever, it, it's it's okay. And then by like 150 pages in, I was like, no, this is what I I want. Give me more of this, and I just <laughs> I just blew through them.
0: Devoured it. Hmm. Yeah. All right, Mark, you might even make me check out something in that genre, and that's not even Yeah, real <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you, Mark, and also, thank you, Allison, who I'm sure is sitting just outside the door where this interview is being recorded. Oh, yes, I'm sure I'm she's gonna scurry he back did. to
1: the scurry back to the other <laughs> room, I'm sure. Scurry oh, no, to me? the mic,
0: yeah, <laughs> jump on the mic and give us her notes after we stop recording. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Mark, this was really a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time.
0: I'd like to thank our guest Mark for sharing his story with us. I'd also like to thank our technical director Taylor for all her help. You can follow us on Instagram at Chapters Pod. There you will find Shelvies submitted by our guests, including some by Mark. There you'll see him demonstrate, for example, his pasta box book cover method. You can find us on Twitter at Chapters Pod. You can find me at Mary Mahoney123 and Taylor at MJT, the PhD. Visit our website, www.chapterspod.com, if you'd like to share your story on chapters. You can also find links to every book mentioned on this and every episode on our website. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us in the iTunes store. It really helps listeners find our show. Thanks for listening.